Hello again, and welcome to our Governing Health Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Perrigan. Well, we've all read and heard about the Great Resignation, but my interest was particularly piqued by a report from our friends at the executive outplacement and coaching firm, Challenger Gray and Christmas, that the Great Resignation may be making its way into the hospital CEO area. Indeed, the Challenger report indicates that the number of departing hospital CEOs is actually on the rise as C-level executives continue to struggle with challenges arising from the pandemic and the altered healthcare system it's created. And that's of obvious interest to healthcare boards and their CEO search and succession processes. So we've asked John Challenger, the CEO of Challenger Gray, to join us today and share with us the key findings of his report. We all know John is pretty much the leading national thought leader on the economy and the workforce. He's been one of the most popular guests on our podcast over the years. And as long as John is with us, we're going to ask him a few more questions about what's going on in the economy with respect to inflation, the threat of a recession, and the latest job numbers. All these of critical importance to the board's finance, HR, and search and succession committees. Welcome back, John, to the podcast. We're always delighted to have you with us. Good to be here. John, we've got a number of hospital board members listening to us today. What do they need to know about your report and what it pretends for the board's CEO search and succession process? Well, we are seeing a lot of volatility in the CEO spot right now. In February, 151 CEOs left their posts, and that was up 21% from what we'd seen in the prior month. But it's also the highest monthly total since January of 2020. And what are you attributing that to? Is this are these forced resignations? Are these people walking away because it's just the job is too much for them right now, or it, or it's too pressure packed, or they can't, they're not able to respond to the challenges? What are you attributing this pretty significant uptick to? We are seeing a number of resignations as pandemic concerns subside. It might very well be that leaders who've been in this kind of crisis mode over the last two years are looking for something new. You know, as as with all American workers, they may choose to retire or resign or just now, you know, it's time for those organizations to find leaders with different skill sets. Managing in a crisis and keeping your costs down and trying to get through a period like this is different than potentially dealing with some of the new concerns, you know, that are hitting the economy with looking for new business, maybe again, in this new era, trying to get in on some of the potential growth. Was there any one part of the report, John, that just struck you as odd or caused you to pause and and say, this is particularly significant. This is something that I, John Challenger, did not anticipate as a result of this work. The retirements and the quits, just like in the JOLTS report, you know, for the workforce, you know, is still very high. You know, the uh, retirements grew more than we expected during the pandemic. According to one study from the Kansas City Federal Reserve, 3.6 million Americans retired, and that was two and a half times more than was expected. So we're in this period, you know, of change, you know, in people's lives and in their working lives where uh, more people are deciding to retire than might normally have. They're not just staying with their working lives in, in quite the way, you know, that we'd come to expect before the pandemic hit. 
John, did you see any of the concerns that we've heard about over the last year or so at the medical staff and especially the nursing staff level and, and their exhaustion? Do you see any of that same type of emotion or fatigue or despair blending into, seeping into the executive suite at all? Is that part of this? No question. I mean, this has been a very tough period for leaders to try to keep their organizations together, to hold the culture, to produce the results they want. So you get uh, burnout or just people who feel like um, the reason they were there you know, when they came in you know, has changed. People are reevaluating and we're seeing these you know, quits. But an interesting thing that happens in the C-suite is often those reasons that publicly companies give you know, the person's retiring or resigning often, you know, it does often hide the fact that they've been pushed out. So it may be organizations also that are, you know, making these kinds of changes. And we have seen this year the number of CEOs leaving from hospitals and from healthcare in general go up. You know, this year, year to date, we've seen 48 CEOs leave from healthcare and hospitals compared with only 36 last year through the same period of time. And particularly in hospitals is where the changes seem to have occurred, you know, in a more significant way. John, to the, the board members who serve on the institution's search and succession committee, and for those who are monitoring other members of the board who supervise the CEO, what is your message to them in terms of separating departures because the board is no longer able to support the CEO or the CEO is fatigued. How, how does, do you, do you have a message? If, if there's not a clear breakdown, how should, for example, the search and succession committee monitor the CEO any differently? Well, I mean, certainly, you know, you're looking for, you know, not only the results coming, you know, out of the institution and comparing those to what we're uh, expectations were, but you're looking at that person you know, and you know their relationships with their executive team. It's been hard to hold executive teams together you know with people not only under the stress of the pandemic in healthcare, but with people often not in, in the same place in the same way that they were you know in period you know previous periods of time. So uh, looking at the culture, the executive team, how well it's functioning, also, making sure that succession planning is in place, that the organization has really worked hard at understanding that if people do leave, whether forced out or voluntarily, that there's people ready to step up. So having robust succession planning kind of work is just essential for every organization. John, there's circumstances that you've seen in your experience where the board or particular members of the board may be indirectly responsible for the pressure placed on the CEO, i.e. Uh, the discordant voice, the angry voice, the uh, demanding board member, the, the loud, per, loudest person in the room. Is that part of the cultural concern that may be leading some CEOs to move on and consider retirement? The culture has changed? Well, certainly that's always an issue you know, in you know, the relationship, you know, that relationship of the CEO to the board. You, know, you would hope that members of the board, you know, if there are ones who are publicly 
in board meetings taking antagonistic positions, or if you see that a relationship between a particular board member and the CEO is broken down, uh, it's important to take those offline, to work on those. Sometimes coaching, you know, executive coaching is a good way to approach that, but addressing the issue you know, and not letting it fester, especially in a public environment, uh, is important and important for the chair of the board you know, or the key members you know, who help to keep the culture of the board strong and consistent to uh, address those issues individually, you know, with the parties involved. John, with going back to the study and the the question of increased retirement by CEOs, what would you describe some of the key warning signs to board members of CEO fatigue to be? I mean, what what would they what should they be looking for in terms of indications that they may be at risk of losing their CEO to resignation or retirement because of the demands or the cultural situation? Certainly missing deadlines, not creating the same kind of leadership culture that you'd see, you know, that person out in front. If you see a CEO who seems to have uh, backed into, you know, more isolation, you know, with the pandemic, you know, maybe he has just a small number of people rather than the entire executive team, you know, that uh, seem to be uh, running the show, um, just looking for signs that, you know, there's burnout there or not the same kind of strong culture where everybody's, again, working, you know, to the same end seems to be in the team. And you can tell that often by, now you have to understand what the culture was before when things were good, but seeing a breakdown in relationships, you know, is often, you know, a sign of those kinds of difficulties. John, final question on this, on your wonderful report. Well, what are you projecting going forward? What do you see to the extent that you can prognosticate uh, where this trend is headed for the balance of the year? Do you expect it to continue to increase as pressures, as the, pan- we, the pandemic pressures hospitals, or is there, are there any indications this will subside? What would your message be to the certain succession committee? Well, you would think that it's likely to continue with the new pressures that seem to be besetting the economy. You know, there are going to be you know, very difficult times ahead for material costs. Labor costs have been um, difficult for a while, but with inflation rearing its ugly head, you know, to a degree we haven't seen you know, in a long time, it's going to put a lot of pressure you know, on executives' teams, you know, the C-suite teams. You know, and again, that could bode for, you know, continued high turnover. So perhaps is it fair to say that the, the board leadership should be looking for ways to kind of get closer to the CEO as you put a finger on his or her pulse and see where they are and perhaps consider some incentives to make sure that they are more comfortable, whether they be compensation based or, or other elements of the job? Should board members be more aggressive in this way? Certainly, they should be looking, you know, at those relationships and what they can do to help turn the, you know, if they do see some warning signs, you know, on their executive team to address those issues. It may be incentives, but it might be more communication, more get-togethers. Again, companies, boards, executive teams, you know, have had a have not been together as much in the last two years you know, since the pandemic started as they were before. And so communications inevitably have broken down in some places, working at 
bring those teams back together more regularly to discuss issues, perhaps in environments that aren't so pressured, uh, but to you know build uh, ties and and uh, informal ties uh, back again or or bolster them seems important. John, let's pivot now and turn to the broader economic trends of interest to the board's finance committee. As we've done this before, kind of a rapid fire round. So we'll ask our listeners to get their pencils and note cards ready for John's observations on uh, the leading uh, economic indicators as we move into the second quarter. And John, let's start with something positive, or at least I perceive as positive, uh, the March job numbers. What are they telling you? Well, we're back essentially to where we were you know, when the pandemic started, unemployment's now at 3.6%. Um, the number of unemployed people at six is now at 6 million. That's a little different than what we saw back in February of 2020. So, you know, a positive sign. We're seeing uh, labor force participation still a little bit below where we were then. So there's still some more room to grow and the, and, and the labor force has grown by definition, over that time. So labor force participation is now at 62.4, uh, 63.4%. So just a bit of, you know, 1% above. So we're, we're getting close to where we were there as well. So it generally, you know, we're seeing a significant job creation. 431,000 jobs were created in the month of March. Positive sign. And that, that uh, growth was fairly broad. The jobs in healthcare haven't grown quite so much in this month. They were a little changed, about 8,000 plus, but there was a large increase in the previous month. So far, during the period from the pandemic till now, healthcare employment's down by about 300,000. So 1.8% down from what it was when the pandemic started. Does that suggest that it's the salaries and the wages are not significant to keep people in the position? And they're not. What, what, what does that indicate to you? Well, it may mean that uh, people have uh, left healthcare for jobs, perhaps with less stress. We have seen the ties, you know, amongst workers to particular industries, like people who always thought of themselves as healthcare workers or retail or hospitality workers. Some of those bonds have broken down in this last couple of years and people have moved to other places. Certainly salary increases and we have seen some growth in in salaries, but that doesn't mean there's not more that can be done there. will attract more people back in. Uh, We have seen some growth there and that maybe is one of the reasons people are coming back into the workforce, you know, and we're catching up to where we were before everything hit. John, on a big picture perspective with job participation, are there some jobs that people are not returning to that they're just simply going unfilled? And I'm not just talking about baggers at the checkout counter at the grocery store, which obviously are not going filled. What jobs are remaining open and, and is that a troubling sign? Well, the jobs that are remaining open, you know, really have to do with ones where there are skill shortages. You know, IT workers are in, you know, as they always are, but it gets even worse in, in high demand. There has been some indication that, that uh, you know, with these increased retirements and we have seen more people leaving the workforce, at, you know, near the end of their career, that that's kind of a very broad base set of jobs, you know, that people just aren't coming back, maybe still worried about catching some variation in the workforce. And maybe they'll 
come back, but maybe they've decided to change their their work-life balance. So we don't know, but I think it's still the skilled jobs, you know, where the biggest shortages lie because there just aren't enough people, you know, um, for the the number of openings available. You know, that that number is still quite high openings to uh, unemployed. And where does inflation come into this? Uh, it looks like that we're kind of on the cusp of an 8% or higher inflation rate. Where's all this headed? It is a big risk to this economy. Inflation was very, very difficult to get rid of back in during Volcker's time. We don't know whether or not you know that same kind of persistence of the inflation will occur again because you know we don't know yet. We're at the beginning of it, but eight percent is very high. Obviously, you know uh, it, it's going to wreak havoc if it goes on for too long in this economy. So probably. You know, it leaves the Fed, you know, as everybody knows, I mean, in a very difficult position, you know, they're going to have to pull back on quantitative easing, you know, and printing money. Basically, the interest rates are going to go up. You know, the more they do that, the more they shut the economy down and push the economy into recession. So I think it's a, a precarious position we're in right now, which, again, argues for caution you know, on the part of organizations, you know, finding ways to get your costs down, you know, and to wait and see just, you know, where this is all going to end up, you know, if, if this inflation really is something that is going to beset the economy over the next several years. And I noticed that some of the leading banks, uh, their economists, including those over at Deutsche Bank, are, are projecting now that the Fed's efforts to address inflation, as you have indicated, could well tip the economy into a recession. To what extent is this a self-fulfilling prophecy? Well, I mean, you're, in in what sense do you mean? I mean, if you're in a rock and hard spot place, either you let the inflation ravage the economy because your material costs all go up, you know, dramatically, or you slow the economy down to try to bring that, you know, under control, you know, with higher interest rates, and and uh, then you know, again, you know, you have to, uh, as an organization, deal with with recession, uh, you know, recessionary conditions. So I think it's it's less, at least to to my sensibility, it's a less of a self fulfilling prophecy and more kind of the inevitable result of the kind of stimulus that we needed to do to make it through the pandemic. But, you know, there there were going to be after effects and we may be now, you know, in the you know, next period of time having to, to deal with those after effects. And speaking of after effects, I noted that uh, Jamie Dimon in his annual letter, I think, which is over 40 pages, points uh, and speaks to the his concerns regarding not only on his bank, but also on the economy of the Ukrainian situation. What is your view on the, if you're talking to a healthcare board, uh, how much should they be concerned in terms of their oversight of health system finances with the impact of the war in Ukraine? I'm not sure that in, in terms of healthcare companies, you know, that it's hospitals, that it's as significant for global operations, it's going to certainly uh, slow down the economy. It could change energy pricing, you know, again, causing that to become much more volatile. That'll affect, you know, every organization. You know, it may affect supply chain for certain kinds of materials that that uh, hospitals and healthcare organizations utilize that come from, you know, part of the, the global supply chain or from overseas. 
it seems to me that inflation is probably more pressing for most, you know, more domestic oriented healthcare systems. John, before we let you go, you made a comment a few minutes ago about caution. In your parting comments, what would your words be to the board and its finance committee in terms of how to implement caution? What are some elements of caution that you would expect leading boards to consider, especially those in the healthcare industry, over the next six to nine months? Well, I guess it's caution in terms of going too far out on a limb, you know, with new big projects, building projects, um, other kinds of investments, you know, not quite knowing, you know, what inflation is going to do to it. I think taking action to understand how to protect against inflation. Maybe it's stockpiling things you need right now. Maybe it's, you know, from a treasury standpoint, thinking about, you know, how to uh, invest in inflation-protected investments. It is uh, something to be watching very carefully in terms of wage inflation. There's a lot of pressure with low unemployment to lift wages, you know, and that's part of what inflation is. So, I, I, again, I think it's keeping a good, tight watch month by month, week by week on what's happening in regard to the cost side of your organization. So from Challenger Grand Christmas perspective, it seems to me that three committees that need to be on their toes for the next six to nine months are those of the Executive Search and Succession Committee with respect to the cultural issues affecting the CEO and maybe prompting a CEO to consider early retirement. The HR Committee with respect to the whole issue of wages and compensation of uh, workers and the recruitment of the highly skilled workers. And the Finance Committee with respect to the exercise of caution in, in with, with uh, inflation reaching such a high rate and, and no indication that it will stop. It, it, would that be your view, John? I think that's a good summation. I, I, and you got to add cybersecurity in there as well. I mean, that seems to be an increasing issue, maybe an effect of the global unrest. So, you know, I think boards are going into a period where being extra vigilant, especially if, for whatever reason, all healthcare organizations maybe have been less sleepy than some other parts of the economy during the pandemic, but uh, extra vigilant about uh, what's coming up next. John Challenger, we always enjoy our quarterly conversations, and I think you've given the HR and finance and search and succession committees a tremendous list of things to consider in their busy tasks. We always appreciate your joining with us. Thanks so much. Thanks, Michael. John Challenger has provided the board and its executive search, finance, and HR committees with an important update on CEO resignation trends, and with that, an interpretation of economic data as it may impact health systems. This is exactly the kind of important information that boards and their key committees, they want to consider as they make important decisions in the near term for the balance of the institution's financial year. Thanks again for joining us for today's episode of Governing Health. We hope you'll join us again for future episodes. Until then, I'm your host, Michael Peregrine, saying thanks so much for listening. This material is for general information purposes only and should not be construed as legal advice or any other advice on any specific facts or circumstances. No one should act or refrain from acting based upon any information herein without seeking professional legal advice. McDermott, Will & Emery makes no warranties, representations, or claims of any kind concerning the content herein. McDermott and the contributing presenters or authors expressly disclaim all liability to any person in respect of consequences of anything done or not done in reliance upon the use of contents included herein. Copyright 2022, McDermott, Will & Emery. All rights reserved. Any use of these materials, including reproduction, modification, distribution, 
distribution or republication without the prior written consent of McDermott is strictly prohibited. This may be considered attorney advertising. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome.